yes, 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 yes. The one and only, Kojo Fosu. A joke house Fosu, the greatest and yet artist ever. It's a fact. Amazing, amazing. I, I love this song. You know, for the longest time, I didn't even know what this song was called. I, I didn't care. Yeah. But it was, it was just, it was one of those songs. You don't care what it's called. You know who it's by. You know where you get it. Some, some say it is medicine. Mm. <laughs> but it's just it's the love when it came me. It's just love. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Eve, why this song? Um, I think every time I hear it, it brings me back to like a moment in in my life where um, it was just like a good time. Like I remember just being around that age. Well, I don't I don't remember what age it was, but. It just brings me back to like this, uh, uh, an outdoor ring that we went to, and I remember my parents mm. dancing and like everybody just kind of dancing, and it was just it was a very good feeling. So it's like that nostalgia of where it brings me back to, um, and then I think like as an adult, something about it just it's I don't know it feels it gives you that kind of reminder of like where you kind of came from, like where we come from, and that mm. kind of thing. So it's it's a bit of a historical kind of nostalgic feeling so that's why that's why i really love it yeah no, I, I think you but for good album is ridiculous the whole album is ridiculous yeah i, mean, I don't what, think he's what, ever had a bad what, album what lumba album is it's not ridiculous. ridiculous this guy's <sighs> i've never seen an artist like him i mean worldwide yeah. and i don't care where he's actually, put out like 29 albums hit actually, albums <laughs> what's funny is my mom and my dad have this story apparently when my parents were in germany at one point daddy lumba tried to chop my mom Oh no! <laughs> yeah, you, so you my, could have been a fuzzu. <laughs> so my dad, my dad is always. I remember when we were younger, like he'd always bring it up. Like I guess he's still jealous or bitter about it. And but, but, him, but dad won, though. Dad won. Yeah. Fullest so we were always like, why are you always bringing up this? <laughs> like this fullest but, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he brings it up as like for him to feel like good about himself kind of like oh right, you know right. like, your mom chose me over yes, like yes yes and i'm like yeah but look where that got her <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not i'm not surprised okay i'm not surprised because because i've seen your mom and I have a crush on him okay. so I, I i i don't blame lumba <laughs> damn we're gonna leave my mom out of this <laughs> for, for, forever 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 in crush with your mom <laughs> So, so Doc. Yes. What is your phrase of the day today? Phrase of the day. Phrase of the day today is in Satyanyananya Pet, which is to mm. say that uh, all fingers are not created equal. Ooh, that's deep. That's yes. deep. Uh, definitely love to explore that as we as we chat today, and I think even just just hearing it and the translation brings up so much emotion and so much thought. Yes. So, can't yeah. wait to get delve into that later on as well. Yes, sir. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, my name is Salome Kwame Radio, and I go by Sal. And my name is Samuel Akwasibwating. I go by Sam. And welcome to our podcast, Doctor. Or an embarrassment where we profile the life of the immigrant child in a diaspora. This is essentially the immigrant's guide to disappointing your parents. Um, yes. And on today's episode, we are chatting with the lovely Evelyn. Yes. Um, and our episode is titled In Unity, We All Win. So welcome, everyone. Hi. No, kwaba, kwaba, kwaba. Okay, before we, we do the official intro, we're going to uh, have a lightning round. This is word association. Okay. No time to think. First thing that comes to your mind. Yes. And if you need if you need a little second to think about it, just say pass. Yes. And we'll come back to it. If you can't think at all, but first thing that comes to mind, we want to hear it, right? All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's go. Favorite Ghanaian movie? Oh, I don't know what it's called, but it's with um, uh, you know where eh, Kofi Abrantia, John Tuma. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you guys remember that movie? Yes. Oh, no, I do. He's, he's cheating on uh, Mama Dokono and the other. Oh, wow, this is real. Oh, this is yeah, real. It's, cool. That's like my favorite Ghanaian movie. Like it's old, 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 old. <laughs> favorite Ghanaian song. Pass. Favorite Ghanaian food? Uh, Emotuo. Ah, yes. Okume. Yes. <laughs> yes. Outdoor or wedding? 
out the ring. Okay. Jalof or Ajay? Ooh, Jalof. Oh, <laughs> Malt or Fanta? Fanta. Ew. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> Tiger Malt is. Who, the who best. drinks malt? <laughs> this is disgusting. Everyone but the two of you. Oh. Uh, peanut butter soup or light soup? Peanut butter soup. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh Eve. Oh, yes. <laughs> Afro beats or high life? High life. Mm, yes. All right, Kumasi or Accra? Accra. I even wanted to say bra, bra, Afro because I don't have nothing doing in, in any of those places. Accra. <laughs> 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 Adwa or Azonto? Azonto. Ah, boo. KLM or Delta? KLM. Okay, yes, KLM baby. <laughs> KLM baby. <laughs> Top three Ghanaian artists of all time? Um, Daddy Lumba. Okay. Kojo Anchi. Okay. Yes. Um, ooh. I know. I want to say, like, I kind of want to mix it up and say, like, KK Fosu or something like that. Ooh, that's a wild card. I like, I like KK. KK had a good run. He yeah, had, stop. like, you know? And I do, yeah, that's all he had. Let's move on. No, that's, oh, not, that's not the only one. <laughs> I know, ah. I love KK. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ah. Oh, KK, we don't stop. Come on. Every, every two. <laughs> No, back right. to the favorite Doctor song. Doctor or embarrassment? No, back to, before oh, yeah. that, back before to the favorite Doctor song. Yes. Have you thought about it? My favorite Genyan song? Yes, yes, please. There's no, I can't answer okay, that. Okay, give question. us top top three or top five that come to mind. Give us the top five that come to mind. Okay, um, Aso. Ooh. Oh, okay. wow, big one, yes. Um, um, oof. I, I don't know the names of, of these songs. Oh, Suja. Yes! Oh, yeah, that's okay. a big tune, man. It's, you don't even understand. The remix? <laughs> yes. Um, Ebony. Um, what's the song called? Uh, Coupe. Yes. Oh, you like Coupe? Yeah. And he's bad girl. Yes. Um, let me let me stop there. I, I have too many. I can't. <laughs> My brain is okay. not going to. Yeah, that's that's three. That's enough. Okay. That's that's three. Three. So, Doctor or Embarrassment? I gotta choose? Yes. Embarrassment. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, madam. So the floor is really yours. Give us your full name and uh, just introduce yourself to, uh, to our listeners. Yes, and, and full name. Don't hide any names. Yes, your please. Full name the one they said during your outdooring. Hey. Yes, full name. Okay. Um, Evelyn Abna Yabwa Ampansa. Okay. Nice. And the Yabwa, who are you named after? My grandma. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nana Yabwa. Yes. Nice. All right. And so, what do you usually go by? So, yes. I guess what what does your 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 family call you, and what do your friends call you? Um. So my family calls me Ev. Mm. Um. Sorry, this guy's gonna start barking. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Okay. Rebuckle. Family says Ev. My family calls me Ev. Um. People who start who got to know me later on in life call me Eve. Okay. And uh, if, and I think people I grew up with when I was younger call me my full name, so Evelyn. Evelyn, okay. Yeah. But nobody and I don't calls mind. you Abna. No, no. Sometimes, sometimes Ghanaian guys when they're trying to be romantic and they want to act like they're so scared, <laughs> they'll start calling you Abna for no reason. Oh, Abna. Abna. Or they want to differentiate themselves from everybody oh. else. They'll ask you for your Ghanaian name and then they'll start calling you by your Ghanaian name. Like, oh, Abi. Yeah, you know you're my only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So any meanings um, in terms of your name? What do you mean? Uh, the meaning behind uh, your name. Any of your names? We know, yeah. Of so course, like we know Evelyn. Abana is a Tuesday born female. Yeah, Tuesday born. I think Evelyn. Okay, so funny story about my name. So my dad actually wanted to name me Madonna. Hey. Because my dad <laughs> oh was a my very gosh, big Midge. pulp culture. Like, yes. So he was ready. And, yes. And, and I guess him and my mom compromised on Evelyn after Evelyn Champagne King. 
Okay. <laughs> so that's where they. So either way, I was naming after some celebrity. So famous, yes. Mm-hmm. Madonna. That would have been interesting. I know. <laughs> I could see myself. I could see myself as a Madonna, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could see it too. Yeah. <laughs> I think your, your, your dad had dreams both, of you. Being you're both rebellious. In the, in the exactly. The- <laughs> <laughs> I think the sentiment just carries. That's also why I think I embrace Eve as well, because I think mm. Eve has had a goes down in history as like this epic, you know, mm. first woman figure. Yes. Who started causing trouble, and I and I yes. I'm you love causing them. trouble. You're just I a troublemaker. Trouble. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> good, good trouble. Okay, good trouble. Bad trouble too sometimes, but we won't get into that. Yeah, we won't get, no. Most of the time, good trouble. It's necessary. Yes, necessary trouble. <laughs> so, so, Eve, so, you know, thanks for, for being on, the, uh, on our show today and joining us. And, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get it started, um, what was the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up? So as a kid, what was the first thing that comes to mind that you wanted to say, this is what I wanted to do when I grow up? Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. okay. Yeah. Why? Oh, Penching. Pemanzo. Honestly, you answered the question. Really or truly, I think I was always kind of a know a know it all from when I was very young. And uh I had the ability from when I was young to just argue my case. And mm-hmm. uh it was something that really frustrated like my cousins, my sisters, because I was always the youngest, but I could always just <laughs> argue my case really well um and so so i think i just always had that uh inclination right or i was just good at it so i just always figured i would i just assumed i would be a lawyer in, in life mm. how many times did you get beat up i mean for no i can fight what do you mean when you were a kid <laughs> <laughs> the older kids <laughs> you're fighting the older kids that's the thing i could actually fight i could hold the, i could hold hold it down so i never used to get beat up also because i had a smart mouth like I didn't have to fight. <laughs> you get your way. The fighting. Oh yeah, <laughs> you get your way out of there. If I insult you, or if I can finesse my way out of the situation, like that's what I'm saying. It didn't always result. <laughs> the toolbox is the mouth. <laughs> yeah. What did mom and dad think about you wanting to be a lawyer? Uh, yeah, you know, African parents, Guinean parents, like they were very excited about that. Funny enough, even when I started doing my PhD, my mom was like why aren't you going to law school? <laughs> like, why are you doing... She wasn't even interested in the PhD. She was still very much, like, invested in that lawyer, that lawyer right. dream. Yeah. What is one of these alphabets? I know. P and H, oh. <laughs> so I guess, wh- where did the transition start? Or, or when did you click to you that, you know, I don't want to do law anymore? Or why? Why not? Um... So I have a cousin who's a lawyer and I think when I was in university or maybe like second, third year, um, she was articling or something like that. And Mm. I saw how she had to work. Um, And so actually she had graduated like top two people of like Windsor Law School. She was, she was brilliant. I really looked up to her, but she was struggling like when she actually got into the field, not Mm. because of her intelligence or her ability or her capabilities, but because of who she knew and who she didn't know. Mm. And so in order to make like a name for herself and to really just like uh, position herself in a way where she could have that kind of career, she was putting in like so many hours. And I was like, oh, I don't want that to be my life. Oh, oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think it was that it wasn't, a re- it wasn't actually, so, so that happened. And then, um, I also started to realize that law is like a glorified profession. Like it's not what we see on TV where you're in the courtroom arguing and all of that kind of stuff. It's right. actually a lot of um, research beforehand and mm. so on and so forth. And then also I think the justice system, I started to realize too that it's just kind of corrupt and you have to make certain kind of negotiations that mm. I don't think, I was willing, you know, when you go to court and the, 
the lawyers are calling each other my friend, my friend. Yeah. Yes. Like that makes me so uncomfortable, right? Because I was like, <laughs> you're like, you're not my friend. <laughs> and you're not supposed to be friends, right? Like if you're supposed to be defending like your person, your client mm. or whatever. So, so, it, so for me, all of those things just made me very uncomfortable where I couldn't see myself like in kind of space. And then mm. also like having to refer to the judges, like your honor and all of these kind of like names that position them and all of that stuff, just yeah. like at a, all of it together, I was like, oh, this is not for me. Hey, madam, now your worship is what? <laughs> My lord. <laughs> I think you guys had posted on Facebook about like the wig and Oh, oh God. yeah. But I was saying, like, I, I was just like, I can't. None of this is not for me. <laughs> so so in, in, in that transition, like, I guess when you said this is not for me, what came to you as, okay, this is something that I want to do now or this is an area I want to go into? Um, so I think what happened was, uh, I started to think about all the things that I was really good at and the things that I loved to do. Um, Mm. and then what careers or fields could I, you know, see myself in? And I love teaching and I really love, I have an ability, like I was saying to really, I think communicate well. Um, and so, uh, I started thinking about, you know, how I could utilize that career wise, Um, but it ended up, I always wanted to do the PhD, but thinking about how it takes like seven years and, and, and those kinds of things was a deterrent for me. So even though I wanted to do it, I was like, let me, so that came to my mind and I was like, oh, I can't invest seven years or so into doing something like this. So, um, at that point I started doing like communications and corporate relations and public relations. Um, and then I was dealing with a lot of racism when I actually started working and doing an internship. And so I was like, why am I kidding myself? Let me just go back to the thing that I wanted to do, which was the PhD. And so that's how I ended up like back doing the PhD. All right. So, so what's, on that note, yeah, what, what is your professional title? I'm going to steal Sam's question. What, what is your professional title and how did you decide to pursue? I think you, you gave us a little bit of background on how you, you got into. What is my professional title? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Um, so I'm a professor sometimes. Okay. Um, I've stepped away from academia right now and I work for Toronto community housing and, um, I am a director of the, uh, confronting anti-black racism strategy. Mm. Okay. So essentially that's big. Yeah. It's so, so for me, when I even started in academia and I started the PhD, my motivation behind it was, was two things. One was to inspire a generation of critical thinkers that could lead us toward like a revolution um, yes. and like liberation and stuff. That's why I even started the PhD. Cause I'm like, I want to be able to teach young people like how to use your brain to like get us out of this mess that we're in, in terms of the world. Right. Um, and so I always wanted to develop that skill set, not to be just like an academic proper, but to actually step out into the world and and be able to transform like you know and support people Make meaningful with change yes absolutely so you wanted to be a change agent yes Full change yeah so yes oh what, what did you do your phd in uh social and political thought okay what, wow. what is that i guess can you explain that for you know my, my mom who's who's listening right now? <laughs> social, like, yeah, and political what, and... what are you thinking about what is that thoughts what so does that mean it's, it's it's a combination i would say of social science and political mm. science okay. um right so it's sort of the way where social science and political science meet each other and how uh, we can't talk about the social without talking about the political and that they both have implications for each other. Um, so, and so even though that's the, the, the PhD, my area of research specifically is in like black radical thought, black radical tradition, um, black feminist thought, etc. cetera. Um, so I think it's really in, about how um, like our political structures um, are inherently anti-black and therefore have these implications on black social life. Right. So how we exist as black people in the world. Wow. Deep. <laughs> um, how did we. <laughs> OK, so how did you get to this space to be, did you say, director of um, uh, anti-black racism strategist? I mean, strategy? Yeah. OK. OK. How, how did, did I you get there in that space and that title? Um, hopefully I'm answering your question, but, um, so I was working at the city of Toronto in the confronting anti-black racism unit 
as a training and development consultant. So what I was doing was doing anti-black racism training for like everybody at the city, or I was leading the team that was doing the trainings for everybody at the city. Um, And so I ended up doing a training for TCHC's executive leadership. um, And they essentially recruited me to um, develop their anti-black racism strategy. Um, which I did. And then I'm so awesome that they promoted me. <laughs> I got a promotion. I actually just got the promotion uh, two weeks ago. I was telling Sam. Oh, wow. uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, that was how I sort of got, got there. But I think for the past, like maybe 10 years of my life, I've really been invested in um, thinking of solutions for black people. Um, mm. and I've seen it on Facebook. Yeah, I, see, yeah. I see it every day. <laughs> but won't she let us rest today? <laughs> no, I will not. You will never rest. <laughs> today also. <laughs> and I think, uh, how, do, how are you finding the reception to some of these solutions that you're developing, right? So, yes, you know, amongst ourselves, we might see these things and say, oh, there needs to be a change. But oftentimes, you know, we get confronted with the, uh, oh, you guys complain a lot, or this is not racism, or why you guys always talk bringing the race card. How are you finding that things are changing or not changing? And then also, how are you confronting those with the solutions you're developing? Um, so I, I don't think things are changing necessarily. I think that um, people are, are interested in... Um, in developing, or, or I think people, and I would say both black and non-black people, um, mm-hmm. I wanna say like, we're in a place where we just don't think it's possible um, because we've just been dealing with racism and stuff for so long. Like we don't have the ability to be proactive around- we've normalized it. We've normalized it, but not even just normalized it, but we've just determined it to be unsolvable, right? right. right? Like it's a problem that we just cannot solve. Right. There's lots, of problems, there's lots of problems in society that we face, but I think blackness and anti-blackness is the only one that we've determined we cannot solve. Um, and, you know, I think if you think about, uh, you know, if you think about feminism or if you think about um, LGBTQ queer issues and all these kinds of things, like these are, pro- I'm not saying we've solved those problems, but we've been able to find solutions to a like lot the, of things. traction there's some sort of traction, right? But with blackness, there's this, it, it starts at a place where we cannot solve it. But the reason for that, I think, and sorry, I'm going to get into a little bit of like a bit theoretical, but I'll, I'll bring myself right back real quick. But I think the reason for it a little bit is that like blackness and whiteness, like we can't have whiteness without blackness and we can't have mm-hmm. the rewards of whiteness and Eurocentrism and all of that stuff without blackness right like your freedom only means something if somebody else doesn't have freedom right Mm -hmm. what you have only means something if somebody else doesn't have it and so we need to have a population of people who don't have things um in order for the other things to have meaning right and Mm -hmm. so it's so it becomes a a, we're all invested you know and all of us are actually invested in white supremacy whether we want to believe it or not because at different moments it rewards us Right. And so if we're unable to like interrogate those rewards and not want those rewards, there's no way we can really say we're going to we're going to get rid of white supremacy. Right. Because it it rewards us. Think about all of us on this call. It's what pays us. Right. Like our ability to speak English the way that we do, to be educated the way that we are, that that has rewarded us in a particular kind of way. So Mm. are we willing to give up those rewards because we want to see white supremacy be dismantled? I don't know. Right. So I, I guess with that, what was your like wake up moment where you're like, this system needs to be changed and I need to be a part of that change. Right. Because in a Ganyan yeah. ho- household, right. Like we don't talk about these things. Right. Right. It, it just is. Um, like, yeah. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're not, because in our society, like I feel like even with my parents and like my family, if you're not doing well, it's not the white man's problem. It's, it's you, it's, yes. you just got to do it. Right. So what was your wake up moment? Like, yo, this system is messed up and I need to do something. Yeah. Else. That's actually really funny. It's often a question I ask myself because I'm like, where did I get this kind of like behavior or spirit from <laughs> considering like my parents aren't, 
weren't necessarily invested in, in any kind of anti-blackness, didn't teach me any kind of theory around, like it, it wasn't something that I got from home necessarily, but I actually remember being a kid and watching Roots um, mm. one day. And it was at that moment is where I was like, oh, like, like the black condition is one that, like I understood our, what it meant to be black, like after watching Roots. Mm. Um, and I think that was the moment. And I don't know what it was about that moment. But interestingly enough, I think my parents, um, my parents have, have cautioned me about white people, right? Like they have mm. said, you know, like you have to work hard, you know, the, the same things that we get, you have to work harder. Uh, right, white right. people, my parents did caution me about some things like not necessarily saying that they are racist or whatever, but just understanding that you're not white. Yeah. And so the way that you have to exist in the world is different. Yeah, I, I think I got it from from my end here was always, you're not Canadian, like you're Ghanaian. This is not your home. You're a guest here. So if you want to prosper as a guest here, you have to work 10 times harder. Mm. Yeah, you have the reward. It's yeah. Interesting. Um, so I guess we, we talked a bit about how you got into this field. Um, how have you overcome adversity? Because I know it's not been easy. This is not a space <laughs> that's usually occupied by our people. Yeah. So... How have you overcome the adversity and, and some setbacks that you've experienced? Um, honestly, I, I have really good people around me. Um, I have, and I don't think I'd be able to do what, I've, what I'm doing or what I've done without like the love that I, that I get from the, the people that are around me. Um, and so that's including my family, friends. Um, I have a therapist. Like I have, you know, I have a lot of tools and resources, like whether it's people um, and, and all of it is, I think, underpinned by love. And I always talk about love as like such an important revolutionary sure. thing that we don't really consider mm, because yes. I think like when you feel loved and you know that there are people who are always going to catch you when you fall, like mm. you can take risks and you can do different things and you can have that sense of confidence that will allow you to like navigate the world. So everything is not, every bad thing that happens to you doesn't become like this, this the totality of your reality. Like you're just destroyed, right? Because at the end right. of the day, you know, you can still go and find love somewhere. Mm. Um, and that has really been, I think the thing that has, has really grounded me. Um, and yeah, I think that, that I would say love. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So tell me, give me an example. I mean, Sam's, we're going to get into your highlight reel in a second, but give me an example of how you've used love to conquer uh, a difficult situation or, or a setback. Um, so I think I'm, I'm think I have a few different kinds of examples, but um, working with like, I, I was teaching at York for a few years and uh, I remember the year that Mike Brown was killed. Yeah. Um, I was teaching intro to African studies and one of my tutorials, literally every student in the class was black. Um, wow. And it was, it was such an important space for me um, where I, like it was such, that moment in time. Like we all remember that moment in time, mm -hmm. right? Cause that's where like BLM really kind of like became a thing. Right. And so now imagine being in a classroom where you have all black students and they're looking to you for language to, to think mm -hmm. about like what's happening in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those pieces and not even that, but just looking to you for comfort. Um, yeah. And so in that space, like I'll tell you that year, we didn't, we barely, I probably shouldn't even say this, but we barely did the readings that were required. We barely like touched the textbooks and stuff like that. We just really thought about what we were experiencing as black people and really tried to be there mm -hmm. for each other and comfort each other. Wow. Um, and interestingly enough, like some of the papers that the students wrote, from that class that that class were the most brilliant things i've ever like read and stuff mm -hmm. and i'm still pretty like close with probably like seven of the students who were in that class who um one of them yeah like it, it was just that space was was and it was really inspired by like i have to show love to these students in this moment and being um like a faculty member a professor a teaching assistant and you have all black students, like you have a responsibility to them, right? right? And that responsibility is actually beyond the curriculum. It's beyond uh, grades, right? It's a, it's a responsibility about what it means to be like human and what it means to care. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was, 
Yeah, I love. I, I, that was such a, a meaningful moment for me in my life in terms of even like who I wanted to be and where I saw myself career-wise. Wow, that's, that's powerful. Oh, I think this is a great segue into our, our next section. So this is the, one of my favorite parts of our interviews okay. is this part, you get to list some of your accomplishments that you have. This is the brag zone. Okay. The no hold backs. We, you know we me, I will. I, I Perfect. She's already, she's already bragged. Yes, we want you to brag about you know, <laughs> where you've been, what you've done, your accomplishments, your titles and all that fun stuff. If you don't do a good job, I'll chime in and, and, and <laughs> throw some in there for you. Okay, so you want me to kind of like go through my resume, my CV? Yeah, go through yes, your please. CV. Yes. Oh, gosh. Um, so I have uh, an undergraduate degree in poli-sci and in race, ethnicity, indigeneity. Uh, my master's in social and political thought. Um, wrapping up my PhD this year, actually, in social and political thought. I just submitted my dissertation on my birthday. Hey. Like wow. last week, I think. Um, so that's education wise. Actually, let me let me go back. What I've actually been able to do at York was I was really foundational um, in getting York to start a black studies program. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of advocacy, a lot of organizing that I did when I was there to get. So York had the first actually in Toronto black studies um, program, and I was really foundational in getting that to happen. So I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah, I've, I've held a lot of, I think, positions like management uh, positions, working with young people and working with youth, um, particularly black youth. Um, I'm, I work out regularly. Um, I think, okay. I, I, I think that's important because I, I very I, important. Yeah, I, I do my best to take care of myself. I yes. think spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, yes. um, and physically. Partially because I'm vain, but but the other. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my it, fear of the dad, reasons. my fear of the dad bod is why I won't leave the gym. Listen, <laughs> I'm as vain as you are. It's just like the, the motivation is like maybe because I'm vain, but I still find that it allows me to also be great in other areas. Yes. Of my life, right. Mm, um, yes, um, I'm also very athletic. Like I play football. Um, not uh, not American football, I will say. I play American oh. football um, okay. and volleyball. And uh, I'm, I think I'm a great friend, sister, like family member. Um, mm. More than anything, actually, I think those are the things I'm most proud of in yeah. my life. Um, I, I really do think I'm a good person and I do my absolute best to be a good person and really think about it as... Um, I think we just think people are, some people are good and some people are bad. And I don't think mm -hmm. that's what it is. I think that it, it takes a lot of work to be a good person. Um, and it's not just something that comes natural to you. It takes a lot of work to be a good friend, to be a good person, um, doing the things that you don't necessarily want to do, really being self-reflexive and, and looking internally. Like if I, if I get mad at, or somebody does something to me, like the first question I ask is like, what did I do to cause this situation? Right. Or, you know, like to make it happen because like, I want to know how I played a part in everything and how I could have behaved differently to cause a different kind of outcome. Um, but yeah, so I think those are the things that I'm probably most proud of beyond like my career, uh, my career or educational uh, achievements. It's been the ability to just be good, be a good person and show up for people. Wow, that's incredible. You know, we, we get that, that it's becoming a sort of a common theme to many people we've talked to uh, and people who've accomplished a lot and have great CVs. But at the end of the day, it's, it's who are you? Yeah. What's your contribution to the world? What kind of global citizen are you? More than just exactly. your accomplishments. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. And it's funny because like, I think people who don't know Eve from the outside, she looks like this tough hot girl who doesn't want to talk to anybody, don't even approach her. And this is funny. <laughs> I don't even know if Eve remembers the first time I ever met you. Was, I think it was... Um, York U. No, it wasn't even York U. It was at, um, I, don't, I don't want to shout anybody's name, but one of your friend's um, <laughs> house. Um, they were having a party. It was a family party. Okay. And I've known of Eve, because I know, like, I'm really good friends with, with that family. And I know you're really close with them. So I've, I know them, and it was a hot girl crew. 
was a hot girl code. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I guess I'm and I, I get to the house and I'm late and the party's all going on and everybody's like in their own space. And like, I didn't know much people. I just knew the family and I go in there and Eve comes out of nowhere and just introduces herself and she says, oh, would I like anything to eat? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And she served me and I'm like, oh, like I thought this girl was part of the hot girl crew who don't talk to me, <laughs> they don't know. But from then on, like Eve has always been my people's. Like, so it's, it's that terms of like when you term it as your accomplishments or the kind of love that you show it's evident in kind of your relationships and how you build that so I definitely love that yeah that's great to and you're absolutely right I think a lot of people have and I don't mind it but people have a wrong impression of me um because you know if Facebook I did (laughs) yeah She's always like, cussing somebody on Facebook. Oh yeah, I'm gonna cuss you. Like, Listen, that, there is there is nothing like I, I follow. I mean, I don't I don't I don't have any problems. If you need to be told something, the person that's gonna tell you is me. Like, I'm not gonna not tell you if you if it needs to be. Said. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it is what it is. But but for me, like, I think that um, I I appreciate that the the people that see me see me, um, mm. and um, and I don't care there was a time where I cared what the people that didn't know me kind of like thought about me. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was bad because I think, or it was impactful to me because I'm like, that's actually not even who I am. Right. Like mm-hmm. how people see me, I'm like, that's crazy. I don't know where people are even getting this from. Cause that's not even who I am. And so that yeah. disconnect was really like frustrating, particularly when you're younger and like people's opinion actually matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think that um, being stubborn has served me well uh because i kept you keep on the trajectory because you you're, you're you know where you're going kind of thing and you know what it is that you want to do and so even when other people are like want to pull you somewhere else in a different direction or want you to be somebody else like you you can stay the course because or i can because i i do have that like i'm stubborn i'm not gonna even lie about that but so so for that that means that and and being a good person has has I think like it has provided me the most amount of reward. You know that feeling you get when you're able to help somebody, like you're able yeah. to be there for people and people call on you um, because they know that you can help them. Like that is such an important yeah. thing to me. Like Absolutely. it's, I feel like all we have is each other. And that's why I always talk about love. Like, I don't know, we're not going to make it. Like mm. <laughs> we're not, we're just not going to make it if we don't figure this piece out. And so, yeah. Wow. It's, it's hilarious, but it's like low key, like, it's so funny how everybody who comes in contact with you seems to like, like you for some weird reason. Like my dad loves Eve. It is so <laughs> annoying. And it's, she's like one of my only friends that like, he'll constantly ask me, Oh, you know, that girl from your wedding, what's her name? And he'll remember your name. And, he'll ask, and I'm like, why? Like, leave me alone. But like, I think, and I can remember like instances of the wedding where, you know, the old people in terms of Ganyan weddings, if you've never been to a Ganyan wedding, you know, the old people are going to act up. They're going to do something. But Eve was always finding a way to talk down some older person and like calm them down. And I just, I was laughing the whole time because I'm like, <laughs> why? And like, these people don't know her, but like they're finding comfort in, in, in going there. So it was just amazing aura that you have about you in terms of being able to pull people in. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I thanks for saying that. And I don't remember all of those things. Um, first of all, I love old people. I don't have a problem. <laughs> I find them to be hilarious. And I think <laughs> and, uh, so I, I try actually to surround myself with older folks as well, because I just find that they are just some of the best people to have conversations with. And, and you know what I mean? And so um, but you're right. I think that people I, and I like that. I like that people like me. Actually, for me, and it's funny you should say that, Sam, because people either really like me or they really don't like me. Like, there's no middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. But I think most people that don't, I would say, don't really like you, don't haven't gotten the opportunity to actually get to know you. They know yeah. what they think of you right. or what they've heard of you or what they've heard you say in a context of what they frame the conversation as, mm, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some things that you say that I'm like, yo, that's wild. She's crazy. Yeah. But if we talk it through, I can get it. It still might be crazy and wild, but I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I always say uh, the day that you actually achieve your freedom is the day you stop thinking what other, you know, worrying about what other people think about mm. you and that your opinion of yourself becomes 
uh, first and foremost. Yeah. Most important. It's yeah, such a like, freeing way to be. Yeah. I often talk about, I, I tell people I'm self-centered. I'm not, I'm not selfish, but I'm self-centered. And uh, I not self- in an egotistical way. No, but like I center myself, everything yes. is me first, right? And so, right. like I said, even if there's a situation where I don't think I'm wrong, I'm still going to ask myself how I contributed to that situation. I'm not going to, I don't point f- fingers first. Like I always start with myself, but in the same way, I always start with self-love. Like everything yeah. and my ability to be there for anybody else starts with my ability to be there for myself. And I always say like, you can't be, you can't expect people to be there for you who cannot be there for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have relationships with people, friendships and whatnot, with people who don't show up for themselves because then how is that person supposed to show up for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of us struggle with being able to show up for ourselves. Like, I'm going to defend myself always. I'm always going to, and people don't like that, right? Especially coming from a woman, I think. Like, people want women to just kind of, like, not be outspoken, not defend ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. And so because I do those things, um, you know, people then have this impression of me, which I don't care. But then the other side of it is because I do those things, I can do those things for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize if I don't, if I can't do those things for myself, I can't do those things for you, but they want to kind of critique you when you're doing it for themselves. And they want to praise you when you're doing it for other people, not realizing it starts from having that relationship with yourself first. That is deep. So I guess to, to pivot back to kind of your career and where you are right now, like how do your parents now feel about like what you're doing um, and where you've come? Seeing you that you want to be a lawyer. lawyer. You want to be a you, PhD. I know, PhD. What are you doing now? How do, yeah. how do they feel? <laughs> uh, I think my, my parents are proud, um, but you know, my mom said to me one time, nobody cares if you have your PhD if you're not married. <laughs> 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 I just was like, this lady's not serious, but that's, that's her job. She needs grandkids. Yeah, yeah, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel a sense of like my mom is my my mom especially. I think my dad has is was always less like my dad always kind of knew we would be great. I think I think he's mm. always been at that place, so it didn't matter what we were doing, he was going to be okay with it, kind of thing, right? His 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 investment is more so in like our happiness kind of thing. Right. Mm. At least that's what he says. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But my mom, yeah, but my mom has always been interested in like what we're doing and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I find like she is very proud, but I still find like she doesn't feel like her job as a mom is complete um, unless I'm married with children. Let's let's make that happen for mom. I yes, care about mom a lot. Don't worry, mom. We'll, we'll we gotta get it do done. that for we mom. We we'll get it done for you. Okay, are you people coming to take care of the kids, and pay for the kids? Yes, are you? no, no. Yes. But, we will be there. You are PhD. You, you have enough. Like, you don't need <laughs> we, will, we will help take care of the kids. We will babysit. Hey, my, my little okay. ones are ready to babysit and play date all the time. Uh, but so by that time, my daughter will be old enough. Don't worry. Babysit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't even worry but, about it. But no. But. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, if it happens, it happens, right? Like, and, yeah. and I'm not saying I don't want it to happen, but uh, I'm not by any means going to um, make it like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be obsessed with, mm-hmm. <laughs> with these ideas of what's going to complete me yeah. um, as, as a, as a human being, you know what I'm saying? I don't think right. it, it's important to me. I think it, I'm sure it would bring me happiness and stuff, but it's not, um, yeah, I'm not going to. You're complete in and of yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, okay, I have to ask you this. This is, a, this is not even related to any of these questions. Okay, so what is your definition uh, of femininity? I'm just interested. This has nothing to do with anything, but I just want to know in the 21st century, what does femininity look like um, in, in the space that uh, women are and, and, and they occupy? Because they've been asked to do so much. Doctors trying to take us to school. I'm just interested. What is so? So what is my like? What is my understanding of femininity? Oh, femininity. How do you see it within yourself, and then also in a general context of of uh, you know the women in this twenty first century? Yeah, I think you're. <laughs> so for me, as somebody who's actually, I think, very, like I do my nails, like I get my hair done, like I do all of that kind of like girly, quote unquote, girly things and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and aesthetically, I think that there are some things that are important to me about like my representation, how I feel I represent what it means to be 
I think like a woman or something like that. Right. Mm. But like really and truly, um, I don't believe in, I don't actually believe in like this, this, this femininity thing. I believe in like, uh, my interest in, is in what it means to be like, like, again, just a good person and like a good partner. Right. If we're going to take it in that context. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, it's important to recognize, um, there are times where you lead and there are times where you don't lead. Right. And there is a time where you are, um, the caring, loving, or the one that's a, the, the, the characteristics that are associated with being a woman. And there yeah, are times yeah. when you're not that, depending on... So there needs to be a, an ability to be flexible and to be fluid. And I think that women actually really have that. Because for a lot of us, we do have to play all of the roles in our lives for a long time, right? Like, yeah. whereas men tend, can be men and, and men proper, and that's it, because... Um, women show up for men in a lot of the ways that men don't necessarily show up for women. Um, like if I want like emotional support or something like that, like I'm probably going to go to my girlfriend I'm going to go to a woman mm. for that. Right. Like I'm not going to go to like a man mm. necessarily. So all I'm saying is that I think that women have this ability to, to the wrong men. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> I think I don't think it's the wrong man. I think Bro. it's, it's Call us. Call Sam. Ah, Sam will be there. Oh, yes. she knows I won't. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think I agree with you. Like there, there is some sense of you know compartmentalization that men are not well equipped to do in terms of like, especially culturally, we haven't been taught that this is what we're supposed to do or this is how we're in it. And it's often a reflection of what you see at home too. Yeah. Um. Luckily for me at home, like I've seen my dad cooking from time to time. So it was okay where I had other friends where dad would never cook, dad would never clean. The cleaning and cooking was for the kids and the, and the children. So for them as, as a man, when they grow up in my house, I'm going to work and everybody else is going to cook and clean. So there was no, I yeah. can be flexible and do everything on my own, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, I just think that um, that femininity, like, I don't know, I don't think it gets us. It's not a useful, I think, thing that gets us really anywhere. Just like I don't think masculinity really gets us anywhere rather than thinking about, um, you know, uh, it's funny because somebody the other day asked me what I think about being submissive, right? And like that term and stuff like that. And I was like, listen, if I trust you and I believe that in this situation, your skill set is what's going to get us through. (laughs) Like, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not, ju- I'm not just going to be like, oh, I don't want to listen to no man, whatever, whatever, for the mm. sake of it. It doesn't make any sense. If in this particular situation, your skill set is going to get us where we need to go, I'm like, I have no problem giving you that power or whatever else it is. But, you know, um, you have to, it has to be reciprocal. Because what I find is like a lot of men want the power all the time and it doesn't make sense no no i like how you framed it in terms of if your skill set right because we often forget that like being submissive it's it's aerial specific right like my wife knows a lot about science and can tell you about the human body i can't so exactly. if, my kids are, if my kids are asking why is this wrong with my body or why do i have this rash that's not my place to say hey Submit to me as the children have to do with their body, right? So, like, I I love how you framed it that way. And I think if we can collectively as a people and as couples, you know, frame it in that way, like, what is your skill set? Understanding yourself first. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And then trusting the other person. And what are you informed about? Because Mm. I, I, I think sometimes we talk about, so for me, people will say, like, I think I'm really, really smart and stuff like that, right? I don't think mm-hmm. it's a matter of intelligence or smart. I think it's a matter of what am I informed about? Mm-hmm. So if I want to know, if I, me and you, let's say we want to have a conversation. I know you guys watch soccer and stuff, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to join that conversation and think that we can have the level of conversation about the soccer game because I'm not informed. There's only a limit to how I can actually participate in that conversation yeah. because I don't watch it every single day like you. I know you kick the ball, it goes in the net and so on and so forth. But you're going to be able to tell me who's this player, what they did, how they did X, Y, and Z and stuff. So I'm going to defer to you because you're the expert in that area. Now, if you want to come and talk to me about race, don't come and try to challenge me. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You're not informed about this particular topic. I've watched YouTube videos on race. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think another another important thing that we often ignore is that uh, submission is earned, right? Like, you don't... 
if you haven't proven yes that you can be trusted in certain positions it's difficult for a woman to submit to you and if she doesn't trust you uh to be the guardian um of her trust and her ability to submit she's not just going to blindly submit to you and and so i think a lot of times people yes. fail to to earn that and, and like and, i said even in your own life as a man right if you're hungry if someone doesn't find you food you can't eat and you so you can't even feed yourself but you think i should so i can't so you i can't trust you to do a basic human to fulfill oh no no but that one day you have to feed me and then yeah. no 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 because guess what you can go find food or whatever else but my point is that like how could i trust you you can't even take care of your own self right but you expect that i should now you know what i mean so that thing yeah, about it being too. earned yeah. it's show and prove right show right. and prove that you can you can take on this task and you can solve right. it or whatever it is anyways i'll stop talking but yes <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's get into uh the what we call the perfection equation which is okay. when when passion meets purpose you find pleasure uh, in a space where your career is would you say you're in that space would you say you're there yes definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay okay tell us more um, how did you come to that place and how can other people achieve that Oof. Um, it's so, so funny. I was having a conversation last night with somebody about this because I was like, it's funny that a lot of the things that I was good at when I was a kid that weren't necessarily nurtured, I was able to find like myself back there. Like now a lot of the things I was good at as a kid is what is, is. so sometimes when we think about our calling, I, I try to tell people to remember the things that we were good at and enjoyed as children. And sometimes we don't necessarily nurture like, you know, we get pulled in different directions, like as kids. So we, lo- we lose the things that we were really good at when we were kids or the things that we really enjoyed. But sometimes right. that's actually your calling and actually your purpose. Mm. And so for me, I think that's aligned for me really well, where my ability to actually talk and bring people together. And I was always one of those people who was like a leader and people um, would like, you know, I, I remember what I used to do as a kid. Like I used to defend people. Like I was the person that would fight the bullies and stuff like that. And now I find myself doing the same thing in my work where I'm showing up for people. I'm defending people. Um, I'm able to convince people that they should be doing the right thing and some of that kind of stuff. And so I think that's what's happened for me. It's really just come together where it's full circle. Um, and I think that's what I would encourage people to sort of just think about like what, if you're lost and you're trying to look for your calling, what were the things that really brought you joy? Like as a kid, what are the things people notice about you as a kid and how can you kind of like, you know, come back to that? How do you return back to that? All right. That's, that's duly noted. So how can other immigrant children, um, young Ghanaian girls watching, listening, mm-hmm. how can they get to where you are? as you know, the managing director of <laughs> anti-black racism policy in the city of Toronto, mm. the fourth largest city in North America. This is the racism boss. I don't even know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can they get there? So, hmm. I've, um, like I said, I think finding your people find your people. There's people that you want to be around. They might not necessarily be your people. There's people. So find the people that show up for you and that, that are always there for you and have your back and, and cultivate like relationships with them that allow you to be successful, that allow you to know if you fail, it's not going to be the totality of your existence, right? Like a mistake is not the totality. So it allows you to take risks and to push yourself. I think that's the, that's one thing. And then the other thing is just like, you know, all the things that people say are bad about you, um, recognizing that those, that is part of who you are and how you actually, like, if you can leverage that, uh, to, to like, like, for example, me being stubborn, like people always critique me for being stubborn and whatnot, but if I wasn't stubborn, I could see how I would not be where I'm at Mm -hmm. today. And so the things that people sometimes see as a bad thing, there's a utility in it. And so it's about finding out what that utility is because you can't get rid of everything that's quote unquote bad about you, but you can find a utility in it that allows you to be your best self. Mm. Um, and so I think mm. maybe that's my advice, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yes. that's beautiful. Absolutely. So, yeah. so what's, what's next for, for Eve? <laughs> what's next? What do you mean? Yes. So yeah. you, you just, you, you, so you mentioned that you just, you know, got your, you submitted your, your, you got your promotion, you submitted your, your dissertation for your PhD. 
what's what's on the horizon for you? What, what would you say, you know, where are you going right now? Work-wise or just life-wise? I mean, whose feathers work are you ruffling next? Work-wise, work career-wise, you know, just shortly. Marriage-wise. Yeah, marriage-wise. <laughs> so, so, that was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be honest with you. Like, I think I am at a place where I think I'm ready to, you know, get married and have a kid. Hey, all the young men, are you watching? <laughs> y'all, y'all listening? Submit your applications, please. Yes, not please. Please, please not, do not. Okay, submit them to, to STEM and to South. Yes, and then yes we'll, please. We'll, we'll, them. we'll bring you a shortlist. <laughs> um, definitely, I think, ready to, to, to do that, um, to okay. go take that next step. But I think career-wise, I'm, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. I really do want to see the work that I'm doing change the outcomes that exist for Black people in the city. And I think... If I can do that, um, I'll probably go back to teaching in in a few years um, mm. because I think I just love. I don't think it. I just love teaching, so I'll, I'll probably end up back there. Oh, perfect! Thank you for that. I um, really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, absolutely. This has been lovely. Okay, awesome. I enjoyed this it has as been well. Lovely. Yes. So, um, actually, quickly, quickly, tell me about the role of your of your therapist uh, in about a minute. I know our people don't usually do therapy. Um, but it's so important. Yes. So just quickly touch on the, on the role of that in your life and career. Oh yeah. Life career wise, having my therapist has been, it's such an insightful, honestly, what it really just does is it brings, it brings you, it, it gives you clarity on why you do some of the things that you do that are connected to like that inner child that we, we like to talk about. Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and some of the things that, you know, the defense mechanisms that we develop as children because we don't yet have a voice, right. um, they stop serving us a purpose once we have a voice, right? So right. once you're able to, to talk and to, to defend yourself, those defense mechanisms stop serving your purpose, but then they end up they actually- They don't go away but they end up having a negative effect on you, yes, right? Yeah. So, so what I think therapy has done for me is to recognize that I don't need those defense mechanisms anymore. Yeah. I actually have my voice now, or I have right. these other things now. And so how do I bring those, like, how do I bring those into my life to, you know, allow me to be loved and to show love, um, to show up for people? Because I think one of the biggest defense mechanisms, particularly black girls develop, is shielding ourselves from feeling love and from loving. Yeah. Yeah. right because mm -hmm. we need that in order to survive like that right. to protect ourselves but then right. you, you find yourself not forming relationships with other women you find right. yourself not having meaningful relationships with like your family with your partner or whatever else it is because you feel like you just have to be hard right like i, I mean for me that that was my experience mm -hmm. right You're fighting so, so many battles it's difficult not to exactly right but as an adult like you can i could just tell you off if i want i can get rid of you mm -hmm. if i want right i don't need to be hard on it i could just tell you this is not something that works for me and i can walk away from that so i think to what therapy has really done is just empower me to realize like those things i used to do as a kid to protect myself like i don't need to do those things anymore mm. um and recognizing how they hinder you in your in your adult life as well right. um wow. and so and being able to then pivot and work around those <laughs> things <laughs> people going to therapy doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you're weak no, um, it gives you perspective that you wouldn't otherwise have, and you you, you look at things completely differently. Some yeah, if we had time, I would give you a few examples. Like, yeah. but it's just been the most <laughs> eye opening. I'm just like, uh, yeah. wow! Like even my Incredible. ability to care, to care yeah. and to problem solve, literally yeah. comes from me wanting to do that as a kid, right? Mm. Like my my dad is like, a, you know, he's a, he's an alcoholic. He was depressed and stuff. And I always wanted to help him as a kid. Like there was nothing more I wanted than to help him with whatever he was dealing with. And I never got that. So now as an adult, like I'm actually really invested in helping people. And I didn't make that connection. Mm -hmm. And it was to a point where I was like overextending myself to help. Right. Wow. And so the only way I was able to actually pull myself back was to make that connection to something I wanted so badly as a child. So now I can help, but I know what the limits of that are because I'm able to realize what's the motivation for me. What am I trying to satisfy in myself so from wanting to help so badly? And it wasn't even about like, it was not, it was, it was about my dad, right? I would have never made that connection unless I had my therapist who pointed that out to me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, this, this is so deep. Mind. Think, it's like a mind yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to have Eve back to get, get more yes. depth into this, <laughs> just this area even. So, so Doc, phrase of the day, if we can go yes, over it again. Yes, and, yes. And, 
Reason A was which is that all fingers are not created equal. Mm. Um, I'll throw it to you guys to see if you have any any thoughts on it. And um, even your thoughts on, on on this first. I'm just thinking about how, you know, the little things are actually just like the big things. Mm. Because I think our fingers play such a huge role in like our lives and our ability to kind of like function. But and so even so the the un, all fingers are not created equal, right? Is yeah. what, right. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And then, so if you imagine like when you actually like hurt like one of your fingers and how that messes up your whole hand, whole hand yeah. <laughs> right? So I think that's what I, that's what came to mind when you when you explained what it meant. Yeah, for me, it's the exact same thing, right? Like just that we're, and I took it even larger, like we're all different in our own way. Yeah. But as you know, Evelyn, as you kept mentioning is the love that we exude and, and as a community, the the smallest person not being well or the smallest person being affected can impact us all, right? And I think that's one thing that if we can take as a community and as a people, will will serve us very well moving forward. Yeah, yeah I it, agree. It, for me, it's like a, a celebration of, of, of difference, but, mm. you know, playing very vital roles, very different roles, but that being okay. Mm. Uh, and I, I really originally chose it because of diversity. Because I know, you know, you care for diversity. Um, and we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds. But, you know, we're all important in the role that we have to play in our society, in our community, and, you know, in our world. So I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so last time, what did you learn? What did I learn? Oh, man, I learned so much today about Eve. Oh, I think the, the most important thing I learned about you today was just in terms of how important self-love is to you, right? So oftentimes we think about self-love as, oh, this person's selfish. They only care about themselves. But how you framed it in terms of how can I show up for you if I don't show up for myself? Yeah. So now I can't be mad at you when I call you and you're like, I'm taking my nap. I got to let you go now. <laughs> Take your nap so that I can talk to you later. Reebok, Reebok and I are napping. Re- Re- Reebok and I are napping. Don't call my phone. <laughs> so I, what about you, Doc? A lot of times I think a lot of people think uh, strength is being abrasive and um, sort of in your face. But you see strength in the still uh, resoluteness uh, in this woman and, and, and just being convicted in what you know. Um, all the while being what I think is very feminine and, and very beautiful and perfect in its own way. So, okay. you know, kudos to you. <laughs> kudos to you. And, and uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what you have next and, and uh, what we can see in the future. Absolutely. So, so to end it off in style, Eve, 17-year-old Eve just showed up in front of you. One advice you would give her? from all that you've learned, from all that you've been through, what's one advice you'd give 17-year-old Evelyn? I don't, I actually don't have advice for for 17-year-old Evelyn because Evelyn figures is, figures it out all the time. Mm. And, so, and so maybe that's mm. the advice. Like, I don't have nothing to say. I see her and I say, in all your imperfections and in everything that it is, you're going to be fine and mm. you figure it out. And so I don't have nothing to say. We're just going to have a good time. We're going to kick right. it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. She'll figure it out. <laughs> She's a warrior. Yes, Antoine. Period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't let me be ghetto, so I, at least I could see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. It's It's been an incredible conversation, and I hope, you know, those listening learn from it and learn more about you. Um, because your example is very important. So we thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. God bless you for your for your presence with us. Uh, and we hope to talk to you really again uh, in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think it was good. I was a little bit, a little bit nervous, but you guys <laughs> made it easy. And I really appreciated the dialogue. So happy to, to pop back in whenever. And yes. good luck on this. I think it's a really good endeavor. Like y'all are, you know, you're, I think you're having some conversations about what it means to be Genyan, um, mm. that, you know, hasn't been brought to this kind of platform. Um, you know, not yet, not that I've come across. And so just good luck and hoping, I mean, I'm sure I, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to go well. Oh, yeah, thank no, you so thank much. You. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. No problem. All right. So uh, in closing, of course, 
thank you uh the one and only super producer nancy abua thank you so much for making this happen big shout out nancy always yes. doing a great job appreciate you we love you uh keep making us look good keep making us sound good making yes, yourself of, look of good of course shout out to Charles Kajofosu. Oh, the greatest <laughs> artist of all time. Yes. Um, the king of Ghanaian music himself. Um, if you've never listened to Lumba, don't talk to me. No, but seriously, you need, you need to. You need to check him out on all streaming platforms. Daddy Lumba, the greatest artist ever. Yeah, Timeless like, music. Yeah. Um, for whatever occasion, if you want to insult somebody. It's true. If you want to dance. If you want to make love. You want to go to church. You want to go to you church. You want to go to church. Yes. Lumba is your guy. Um, <laughs> and, and, and a big shout out again to uh, Evelyn for making the time. We appreciate you. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. Um, so until next time, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.